On Wednesday, May 22, 2013, Pope Francis's daily homily in the chapel of Domus Sancta Marta was inspired by the passage from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, in which the disciples tell Jesus that they tried to stop someone who was not one of their party from driving out demons. Jesus rebukes them, saying, There is no one who performs a mighty deed in my name who can, at the same time, speak ill of me. For whoever is not against us is for us. In one section of his homily, Pope Francis stated, The Lord has redeemed all of us, all of us, with the blood of Christ, all of us, not just Catholics, everyone. And then, in a style that has become iconic of Pope Francis, he rhetorically asked, Father, the atheists? And he answered himself, even the atheists, everyone. This statement was received with questions and comments everywhere. Blogs were written in every language all over the world. Was the Pope saying that even atheists are saved? The next day, Salt and Light CEO Father Thomas Rosica, who is an English language collaborator with the Vatican Press Office, issued an explanatory note. The Pope hadn't said that atheists were saved. He said that the blood of Christ has redeemed us all even atheists. And this comment sent bloggers in every direction possible with headlines such as Vatican corrects Pope, atheists still going to hell. But no one was correcting anyone. There was no contradiction between the explanatory note and what Pope Francis said. There is a difference between salvation and redemption. Basically, salvation is God's action of restoring us to divine health, the fullness of which we will have in heaven. Redemption is the being bought back by the blood of Christ on the cross. So, yes, Christ's blood has bought us back. We are all redeemed, everyone, St. Francis and Hitler, those on death row and those lying in a coma. Everyone has been redeemed. But in order to be saved, we have to cooperate with God. If you don't accept the fact that you've been redeemed, if you don't accept God, you won't be saved. It doesn't matter if you've been redeemed. But I wonder if anyone, when faced with the glory of God, would actually be able to reject Him. Which is why the Church teaches that there is no certainty that anyone is in hell. Hell being a place of eternal separation from God. And let's remember that Pope Francis was speaking in the context of people doing good. Jesus says, no one who does an act in my name can be against me. Again, which is why we believe that someone can reject Christianity without actually rejecting Christ. Can someone do an act of love if that very act is not motivated by the one who is love itself? I don't think so. So, everyone can do good. And a lot of atheists do good. We need to not see ourselves as better than them or feel sorry for them, but meet them in that one place where we can, doing good. And who knows, maybe by our deeds, they will come to know truth. They will know that we are Christians by our love. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello, I'm Deacon Pedro. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. First off, congratulations to Max Papillon of Bradford, Ontario, who won a copy of Matt Maher's All the People Said Amen. And we're still waiting to hear from Linda Savary Edwards of Little Rock, Arkansas, who won a copy of Amanda Vernon's Interior Gaze, 
Linda, if you're listening or if anyone listening knows Linda, please tell her to contact us via Facebook or at radio at saltandlighttv.org so she can claim her prize. And for those of you who'd like to win a prize, just go to our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio and enter your name and email address for a chance to win. Today, Andrew Santos joins us on the phone from a Life Teen conference in Phoenix, Arizona. So he'll be sharing our saint segment and also speaking with Sheridan about the conference. And Sister Marie Paul Curley will be here in about 15 minutes to speak to us about two films, one about zombies. So that should be interesting. And in our second half hour, we'll be speaking with Ed Roy, who is the director of the new Salt and Light documentary, Finding St. Anthony, A Story of Loss and Light. I'm sure that all of you know St. Anthony, and all of the St. Anthony fans will want to stay tuned for that interview. And a few months ago, we met a talented young Australian singer-songwriter, Emma Frad. Emma has a new album, How the Other Half Live, and so we'll be playing some of her music and speaking with her again about the new album and about her upcoming tour. But let's begin, as we do always, with a song. Here now is Emma Frad with one of the tracks from her new album, Hacked Into the Flood. I'm done drinking the water that's drowning me. I'm done drinking the water that's drowning me. I'm done drinking the water that's drowning me. I'm climbing out of the well. I'm done drinking the water that's drowning me. I'm done drinking the water that's drowning me. Drinking the water that's drowning me I'm climbing out of the well I've hacked into this flood I'm a dead weight Climbing I've hacked into this flood I'm a dead weight Climbing I've hacked into this flood I'm a dead weight with Hacked Into the Flood from her new album, How the Other Half Live. We'll be speaking with Emma in our second half hour and in about 10 minutes, Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. But first, Chris is here with our news. Well, Pedro, you've probably heard the big story this week about the alleged gay lobby in the Vatican. Uh, there, was, there was the unexpected publication of private remarks of Pope Francis on June 6th during an hour-long meeting with a group of Latin American visitors, including representatives of men's and women's religious communities. 
And the statement in question was, he said that in the Curia there are holy people, but there is also a stream of corruption that is there as well, it is true. The gay lobby is mentioned, and it is true, it is there, we need to see what we can do about it. So those were the Pope's comments, and they were released in Spanish on a website in Chile. There was no recording of the conversation, and no official text has been released. But some commentators are saying that the report seems plausible based on Francis's manner of speaking and the rest of his comments uh, that were published touched on familiar themes from the Pope. What has the Vatican said about it? Well, not much. Uh, the spokesperson for the Vatican says that this was a private meeting, so there's, uh, he's going to give no comment on the veracity of whether the Pope really did mention a uh, corrupt gay lobby. However, the president of the group representing the Latin American religious that met with the Pope has issued a statement. They, first of all, they deeply regret that the remarks were made public. They confirmed the content in general is what the Pope said, but they cautioned that, any, cautioned that any specific words can't be attributed to the Pope with certainty, and that's because no recording was made. So this is a written summary that wasn't intended for publication. In other words, the Pope is being paraphrased. So journalists are probably spending a little bit too much time analyzing his specific words. Uh, the Vaticanista Robert Moynihan is wondering if this incident might mark a sort of transition away from the honeymoon period for the new pope, uh, in which uh, his direct words have been greeted with a lot of appreciation and without much criticism, and wondering if now um, there's going to be calls for greater clarity and precision so that some of the pope's remarks aren't causing con confusion. This is the second communications problem recently. The Pope uh, made off-the-cuff comments during a weekday homily about salvation for atheists, and the misinterpretation of those words prompted the Vatican to issue a clarification. And uh, for some lighter news from the Vatican, Pedro, uh, the Pope received two Harley-Davidson motorcycles this week. He was also given a black leather motorcycle jacket. Black? What were they thinking? Uh, this is to commemorate the 110th anniversary of Harley-Davidson. Thousands of bikers are expected on Sunday to attend the Angelus, and they're going to be allowed to park along Via della Conciliazione leading up to St. Peter's Square. We'll see if they get a special shout-out from the Pope tomorrow. Analysts say that if Francis does choose to ride the motorcycle, it could be indicative of a mid-pontificate crisis similar to when Benedict freshened up his wardrobe with the flashy Camaro, the red fur-trimmed hat, or John Paul II's wild consistory of February 2001 when he named 44 new cardinals in one go. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Chris. Our news producer, Chris Dimitrenko, if you'd like to comment on anything, anything that you hear on this program, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your comments via Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio one. And while you're there, like our page. Hi, I'm Julian Cantor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. You can find me at deaconpedro.com. And also on Facebook, search for Deacon Pedro. And my Twitter handle is at deaconpedroGM. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. 
All right, so this week I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and the saint that I ended up finding, he's not a saint, but he's a blessed, he's in the, he's in the works of becoming one, is Father Eduardo of the Child Jesus, or known in Spanish is Father Eduardo Fare. So, uh, Father Eduardo of the Child Jesus was born on April the 20th in the year 1897 in the province of Lerida, which is in Spain. He was the last born of three. His mother died upon giving birth to him. Um, it seemed that growing up without a mother's love had really affected him, and this could have contributed to his, his, his type of personality, his character. Um, but we know that he was very smart, he was very intelligent, and that made him very qualified for studies. Blessed Eduardo served as an altar boy for two years at the chapel of the Dominican nuns. And at the age of 10, he entered the minor seminary to begin his studies in the humanities, in which he did really well and he really excelled. When he was 12 years old, he was taken by a priest friend of the family, Father Deo Gracias, to the Carmelite Monastery in Tarragona to continue his studies. He entered the novitiate at the age of 15 and made his first profession. As a student, we know Eduardo demonstrated an exceptional um, love for literature, for books. His poems were recognized um, in various festivals in the Academy in Lerida, and he won many prizes. He completed his studies in 1919. Eduardo was eight months away from the age to be ordained. Now, interestingly enough, he was dispensed from this requirement and ended up being ordained by the bishop in Lerida. That same year, which 1919, he was assigned to, to, to Durango um, in Mexico. And at that time, uh, religious persecution was running rampant in Mexico. And uh, they had targeted Father Eduardo when he had got there. So he had to find refuge, and um, friends of his were able to help him flee the country to the United States. And they did that by disguising him as a reporter, as a newspaper reporter on horseback. And he came into Arizona, and that's where I am. Um, through donations that he received for his preaching and the ministry that he carried out, he was able to pay for his journey to Tucson, Arizona, which is just south, which is just south of here in Phoenix. Now, after spending nine years of doing ministry in the Americas, Father Eduardo ended up returning to Spain for the provincial chapter, and that was in 1930, where he was elected to the general chapter as an associate. Now, when we look at the martyrdom of Father Eduardo, um, we look to the feast day of St. Elijah on July the 20th of that year. Father Eduardo, he received news of a war back home and urged the nuns to be ready to just pick up and leave the cloister uh, when the time came. By mid-morning, they saw their neighboring church on fire and rapidly changed into civilian clothes and left the cloister safely. Outside, before they parted to take refuge in one of the local family homes, the nuns knelt for a blessing from Father Eduardo, and they told them that this could be their last meeting until they meet in heaven. Um, the fathers found a welcoming and loving home where they could feel protected. Now, Father Eduardo and his companions, they felt safe. Um, being in a home, they, they thought that um, they were safe, and they felt less cautious and, and fearless of their surroundings. The priests would secretly go to the nuns to celebrate Mass for them until it became too dangerous. Now, on July 25th, interestingly enough, which is, which is my birthday, um, as the priest and family were at home, they saw 30 militiamen running to the formation house, and many of them were knocking on the door, demanding to register and inspect the household. Um, Father Gabriel suggested 
that he tell them they were just friends of the family. So um, Father Eduardo jumps in. He was known with great fervor and courage. He strongly disagreed and said that they should know who they were. Um, the militia who knocked on the door interrogated the family and turned to the priests. And they said, um, we are two discal Carmelite friars. Um, the militia took the uh, Father Eduardo immediately. Uh, they took them to the headquarters. The friars were transferred to a large truck where a woman pointed a rifle at them. Now, that is the last we ever heard of Father Eduardo and his companions. That was the last time they were ever seen. Many people to this day say that their bodies were buried in graves, in common graves near the town of Moncada, which is just outside of present-day Barcelona in Spain. Father Eduardo, um, we know that he died at the age of 39. Um, his cause was promulgated by the Vatican uh, during Pope John Paul's pontificate, which was on June the 22nd, 2004. And he was beatified by Pope Benedict just three years later, at the end of October in 2007, and that was in Rome. So we look to Blessed Eduardo of the Child Jesus, and we ask him for his intercession. That was our saint expert, Andrew Santos, on the phone from Phoenix, Arizona. We spoke with him earlier this week. In about 10 minutes, Sheridan will be speaking with Andrew about the Life Teen Conference he's attending. Hi, I'm Danny Torquia from Media Ministry Minutes, and you're listening to The Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can find Salt and Light Radio on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash slradio1 and be sure to like our page. Also stay connected with your name and email address at saltandlighttv.org slash radio for a chance to win cool music prizes. And now it's time for... Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie-Paul Curley. Sister, welcome to the program. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. How are you? I'm good, thank you. You? Oh, wonderful. And um, we're we're heading right into summer, which is a great time yes. to get away or escape from the ordinary routine of our lives. And so I thought it would be appropriate to look at two movies that give us an escape. They take us to fantastical worlds. Okay. Um, the first is Oz, The Great and Powerful, which uh, just released to DVD. The uh -huh. prequel to the 1939 classic film, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, how many times did you see The Wizard of Oz? You know what? I, I mean, I've seen it two or three times. I don't, maybe more than three times. <laughs> but I don't think uh, I've seen it that many times. And um, I mean, I like it, but I'm not like crazy about it. Ah, no, really? No, but I can tell you that I saw in 1985, I was in New York, and we went to Radio City Music Hall, and we watched the film, and it was... It's a it's a sequel. I think it's called Return to Oz, that oh. I really liked. That I actually liked oh. very much. Yes. Oh yes. well. Oh good. Then you might actually um, you might actually like Oz the Great and Powerful. Okay. So um, yeah. that is great. I haven't seen Return to Oz. Uh, Oz the Great and Powerful is of course the prequel to The Wizard of Oz, uh -huh. and it is the story of the wizard um, who is actually quite the trickster, um, and how he gets to Oz and becomes the wizard. I, I mean, as a huge, I, unlike you, am a huge fan of the classic 1939 Wizard of Oz film. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't really imagine a worthy prequel or a sequel. However, having stated that, uh, this Oz is better than your usual family entertainment. Uh -huh. uh, for me, it didn't qualify as great. So there's some acting, some pacing, some character development issues throughout the film. 
But if you or, or, some, or one of your kids or a kid you know enjoyed the light, zany humor of the original Oz books by L. Frank Baum, okay. uh, you might really enjoy the wackiness of this version of Oz. Okay. Mm, the film also has many little nods or homage to the classic Wizard uh-huh, of Oz film, uh-huh. which you should definitely look for, especially okay. in the slower moments as the film is setting everything up. Uh, my favorite parts of the film were Oz's companions. Um, I should explain. The wizard is also called Oz, so Oz the wizard and Oz the kingdom uh-huh. are both Oz. Um, but Oz's companions provide some of my favorite moments, especially the China doll and Finley, the talking monkey, who redeems monkey with wings very nicely. Yeah, because I don't like them. <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> yes. No. So I would say The Wizard of Oz is very wholesome family entertainment with a deeply Christian worldview. And uh, I would say that especially because of a couple of things that really struck me. The resolution of the, of the issue, the, the problem, which is two wicked witches, no less, um, is done without the use of violence. Mm. What an amazingly Christian thing to do in uh-huh. a children's movie, a family movie. Also, the theme of faith. Uh, it, the li- this line is repeated several times in words like this. If you believe, everything is possible. Mm. Uh, also, there's a theme running through it about the meaning or the purposeness of purposefulness of life. Um, if we're put somewhere, we're there for a reason. And that's actually reinforced several times. So, honestly, this is a really great film for the whole family to see, except Good. for the really little kids, because there are a few moments where the evil witches are very scary. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so that's good to remember. But with, you know, kids, older kids, and oh, yeah. teenagers and, even. And even even some younger kids will probably be fine with it. Uh, oh, good. It's, it's a great story. Uh, the second film is not, it's the first and probably the last zombie movie I'll see to the end. <laughs> it's called Warm Bodies. Uh-huh. It takes place in a bleak post-apocalyptic world where electronics are gone, the majority of the human population has been transformed into zombies, zombies, and the, a few people still remain alive who live on the defensive. Now, it's not your typical zombie movie, or I probably wouldn't have finished it, but it's the story <laughs> of R, a, a zombie who is unusual because he realizes he is lonely and longing for connection. So on a hunting trip through a fallen city, he comes across the human girl, Julie, and instead of eating her, as he does some of her friends, he falls in love with her and rescues her. So apart from the typically necessary zombie gore, which is actually kept quite to a minimal, this is a pretty typical love story, except that love's results um, are much more dramatic than usual, because in this post-apocalyptic world, love is so lacking. Uh So I don't want to give too much away, but this is a great movie for horror fans. Um, There's a freshness to the perspective of of love and connection. And, of course, with any horror, with any well-done horror film, there's a lot of symbolism and metaphor, so uh, which you can can look for a deeper meaning. So, Okay, good. Is it what's the rating? It's rated PG. I would say it's appropriate for young teenagers and up if they're prepared for the, if they are horror film fans or want to. Kind of yeah. dip their toe in that genre. Okay, that's good to know. My 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 kids would would qualify then. Okay, so Oz, the Great and Powerful, good for the whole family, and Warm Bodies, good for the horror fa- fans in your family. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay, very good, sister. Thank you very much. Um, this is our last uh, segment for the season, so Great. I hope you have a good summer, and Thanks. we'll connect back in September. Thank you, and you too, Deacon Pedro. Sister Marie Paul is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul. You can read her blog at windows to the soul.wordpress.com. 
Hi, I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can podcast our show for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where you can now listen to Christian music live all day long at that same web address. Just click on the Listen Live link. And here now is Sheridan. Hello, friends. Pedro, have you ever been to a Life Teen conference? Actually, no, I, I have not. I've been to Life Teen events, but never to an actual conference. I've never been either. But as you know, Andrew Santos, yes. our saint expert, was in Phoenix, Arizona this past week, and I got a chance to speak with him. Hello, Andrew. So give me the scoop. What's it been like? Oh, it's been a fantastic week. Um, so I've been in Phoenix since Sunday for the Life Teen Catholic Youth Ministry Training Convention. There are about 600 to 700 people here, and people from all across the American Church, from the United States, from Canada. There's quite a contingent. There's even someone here from Hong Kong. That's impressive. Which is amazing. So um, we are just about to wrap up uh, the four-day convention, and uh, it's, it's been fantastic. So was far. there a particular theme for this year's conference, or, or oh, is it just yeah, a... Oh, yeah, there has definitely be, uh, been a theme, and the theme for this year is um, fearless. We've got to be fearless. We've got to put away our anxieties, our fears, and we've got to translate that into joy, into uh, uh, people of peace, of hope. So Be Fearless was the theme, and it's, it's been a great theme so far. And who were some of the presenters? Um, there's been quite a number of, of presenters. Um, that includes people from the Life Teen staff in the United States. Some of the keynote speakers were Bishop Ed Burns, and he's from the Bishop of, well, he's not from the Bishop, he's from the Diocese of Juneau in Alaska. And he brought a really unique perspective from that part of the United States. We also had Ralph Martin, um, a friend of ours. He's the president of Renewal Ministries. And he was in Rome last fall for the Synod on the New Evangelization. That's right. Um, and Father Mike Schmitz, who is an incredible, incredible guy. He's the director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese of Duluth. And, um, yeah, there have been other priests, other lay faithful from across the American Church, and They've really come together to give a fresh and exciting perspective, and some of the some of the topics have been absolutely fantastic. So, is there anything that's really made you excited, or any impressions of the American Church you'd like to share? Oh, it's just it's just alive. It's dynamic. People are spirit filled. Um, they really take um, the call to faith very seriously. The call to evangelize. The call to get dirty and do the work and get out there and, and evangelize the people. Um, what I take away from this convention are the topics, are the keynote sessions. They were fantastic. Yesterday I went to a, a really, really good breakout session on the church's, guide to, the church's standpoint on homosexuality. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be um, a theme that's resonating um, a lot in secular society today. Right. Um, also a lot of great topics like how to survive ministry in spiritual deserts taking teens on mission trips, um, connecting teens to the Eucharist, um, impactful catechesis, um, which is important, um, music ministry, basics in Catholic apologetics, I really like that one. And I could go on and on and on and on and list them all, but uh, they were all fantastic. So I really take away a lot of uh, good things from these sessions, a lot of good notes, stuff that I didn't already know. All right, buddy, enough gallivanting around. Come back to the office and do some work because we miss you. I will do, will do. Um, Greetings to everyone at the office from Phoenix. It's off to the Grand Canyon. See you later. 
That was a conversation I had with Andrew Santos earlier this week while he was at the Life Teen Conference in Phoenix, Arizona. Yeah, I know. Very exciting. Thank you very much, Sheridan, and thank you very much, Andrew. Coming up in our second half hour, Finding St. Anthony and a featured chat with Emma Frad. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour, Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm sure most of you are familiar with St. Anthony. He's the foolproof solution to any lost item. St. Anthony, St. Anthony, come around. Something's lost and can't be found. St. Anthony is probably one of the most loved and well-known saints. But do you really know much about this 13th century saint? Well, last Thursday, on the Feast of St. Anthony, Salt and Light premiered our new documentary film, on the life of St. Anthony, and to tell us all about it, I am now joined by the film's director and producer, Ed Roy. Ed, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Uh, thank you, Pedro. Happy to be here. So, I think that people can uh, uh, relate to St. Anthony do, having to do with lost items, but why is the film a story of loss and light? Where's the loss in his life? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think what we wanted to do here with the film is not simply tell the story um, of a saint that many people have turned to over the past 800 years, but to go back and look at the life of an individual uh-huh. um, that spans 35 years. And so um, Anthony, whose um, you know, his baptismal name was Fernando, he goes through his own journey of self-discovery. And in that self-discovery journey, he also has to lose many things. He loses some concepts of himself or uh-huh. loses ideas of what he believes he is called to do uh, as a Christian right. or as someone who wants to give his entire life to God. He has various you know, inspirations uh, as a young man, first starting off as possibly following the footsteps of his father, who was a knight. Uh-huh. And um, I think what's interesting to note is that in his century, uh, Portugal had just been uh, reconquered by uh, the uh, Christian kingdoms to the north mm-hmm. uh, from Muslim control only a couple of generations before him. And there may have been still a sort of a, a sense of knighthood as being something that was also a, um, a service where you sort of put your, your life on the line for the people you love and for the protection of, of of your village or of your city. Right. But so Anthony is someone who's very generous. And, um, but at a certain point he feels that in order to save his soul, he, he must enter in relig- into religious life. Mm-hmm. And so his uncle, who is an Augustinian canon, uh, basically a religious of the Augustinian tradition, yeah. um, inspires him to, to, you know, to also enter into that way of life. And then later, something else happens, and he meets Francis, these Franciscans. Right. Uh, and so he has to also lose that previous idea. And then as a Franciscan, he thinks, well, I I'm see. going to go off and yeah. be a martyr in Morocco. Yeah. And that never happens. And so his life story is one of a lot of believing he's going to go on a certain path, and then God sort of closes doors in front of him. And so there's, yeah. a, there's a sense of loss, but more than anything, I think it's a sense of loss of understanding what does God really want from yeah. me? And only at the point in which he surrenders does he begin to experience a new sense of light in his life. Yeah, I see. Uh, that there is somebody else, there's God who is there to help 
guide him on his journey. And the guiding becomes more clear the more he really lets go of control. Yeah, sounds sounds like uh, the faith journey that a lot of us <laughs> go on. You know, God takes you somewhere, prepares Absolutely. you for something, then moves you on. Um, did you, Ed, personally? Uh, I'm sure you knew about Saint Anthony, but did you have a particular devotion to Saint Anthony, or was there anything new about this man, Fernando, that you found out that that moved you personally? To tell you the truth, before this project, I had almost no connection with St. Anthony. Uh-huh. I only understood St. Anthony from those around me, uh, especially of, of Italian descent, who had uh, this, this, you know, this um, tradition of turning to St. Anthony for things that were lost, and I never did, because I just didn't understand why I should. Uh-huh. And so for me, the discovery of St. Anthony was, was almost from very, very fresh. I knew really nothing about him. I didn't know what century he was born. Uh-huh. I didn't know he was a Franciscan. Uh-huh. I didn't know he knew St. Francis. Huh. Um, I only had heard uh, from my Portuguese friends that he was from Portugal, and they were very proud of that. Yeah. And from my Italian friends that he was from Padua, and they were very <laughs> yes. proud of that. And um, so I, I knew almost, I would say almost nothing. I didn't even know the prayer that uh, yeah. you at the beginning of That's this interview. funny because I've, I've known about St. Anthony in terms of finding lost items, but in Spanish. So I learned that prayer just recently in the last couple of years because I heard somebody say it in English and I thought, oh, that's cool. Um, did you find out why he ended up being the patron saint of lost items? Or, of, or, of lost items? Yeah. Well, that's a good question because he's really the patron saint of many things. Yeah. Um, and in certain cultures, he's really become most pronounced known as the patron saint of lost items. Yeah. I can't really give you what I would call an accurate reason yeah, of how that developed. There have been various stories yeah, out there, probably... and I'd almost prefer not even to mention yeah, any of you them. You know, I, I must say... But one that... of the things that I find is very interesting, and this comes really from the people that we interviewed, is that it seems that St. Anthony is there not so much to help us to, lose, to, to, to find lost things, but in praying to find things that we've lost, he's trying to also... As, as a response to those prayers, and we find what we're, we're looking for, and sometimes we don't, but that's also an answer, too, uh-huh. is that it helps to open our minds up and our souls up to something larger, Right. that we are immensely loved. Hmm. And, um, and from that perspective, I can really sort of really embrace this idea that, you know, St. Anthony isn't so much about, you know, the magic charm of when I lose something. But it's more about saying that there is more to our life and to our life journey than the people that we see with our eyes and our ears. There's also this, well, we'll use the word communion of saints, yeah. this other dimension of, of the human family um, that's also, how should I put it, they're, they're, they're part of our, our greater circle of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some reason Anthony has this, kind of capacity to reach down from heaven and say, hey, I'm here, I'm here, I'm your friend too, let me help you find something. Yeah. And that also opens the door to saying, well, maybe I should be turning also to God yeah. for help as well. Absolutely. So tell us a bit about how you, uh, how you ended up uh, zeroing in on the story that you were going to tell. Who did you interview? What, what's your focus on the film? You know, the focus of the film... I mean, in many ways, whenever you work on a documentary, it is also a journey of discovery. Um, you can have, we had a certain initial idea. I had a desire, first and foremost, to know Fernando, to know the life journey of a, of a, of a fellow Christian. Uh, we 
call him a saint today, but sometimes using that wonderful title can also distance someone. So we wanted to go back and discover who this individual was. Um, and in doing so, you know, we begin to just understand that we are exploring a life journey. And you had made a very important point before, and that is loss and light. We mm-hmm. all go through that experience, even the saints. And I would say even other saints have all gone through very similar experiences because it is a process of, of letting go of the things that we think are important, even if they mean uh, a life towards following God, following uh, Christ in the Gospels. But we need to be purified of a lot of our ideas and simplified. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, just it's sort of like it was one of those things that just seemed to become obvious in how to tell his story in particular with this theme. Certainly we could have taken other aspects. He was also a great preacher. Yeah. We could have focused in on uh, his uh, gift for, um, uh, you know, theology. He supposedly uh, had the Bible memorized by heart. Um, hmm. uh, he was referred to by one pope as the jewel box of the Gospels because hmm. they felt that if the Gospels had all been lost, they could rewrite it from his memory. Wow. Therefore, you know, we could have taken a look at his story from also his gifts, but instead we wanted to look at it from his personal inner journey, that journey of the soul. Right. That journey which really becomes a relationship daily with God, uh-huh. in which one begins to more and more say, okay, who am I going to trust in? Am I going to trust in my intelligence? Am I going to trust in my good looks? Am I going to trust in my health, my ability to, you know, do X, Y, or Z, or am I going to trust in God who guides me? Right. And that really is the journey of a saint. Um, it's the journey for all of us, actually, as we go towards our own path of sanctity. And it opens us up to a different kind of relationship with God. And that's what really what we wanted to do, was to show how this young man, Fernando, in his journey, had opened his life and his soul up to a very deep and trusting relationship with the Lord. Which is a great example for all of us. Um, absolutely. And still relevant today. I think absolutely. one of the things that we want to make sure is that these saints who lived 800 years before us, and maybe today we see them mostly in monumental pieces of art. I mean, the artwork around St. Anthony's memory is absolutely spectacular. Mm-hmm. But we want to remember it's not just about the art. There is something in his story that's still relevant to me today as an yeah. individual, as I go to school, as I go to work as I struggle with uh, understanding my, my place in the world, yeah, it's still very, very relevant. Yeah, and I think that that's one of the challenges of telling the story of a saint. You're right, to, to kind of, we want to connect with his humanity. Um, it's a great film, Ed. Uh, thank you for the work that you've done on it, and, uh, and I hope uh, that our listeners can get a chance to watch it uh, when it r- repeats again on this weekend. So thanks for chatting with us today. Thank you, Pedro. I enjoyed it. Be well. Ed Roy is a filmmaker and the director and producer of Finding St. Anthony, A Story of Loss and Light. You can learn more about Ed Roy at his website, j6mediaworks.com, and you can watch Finding St. Anthony on Salt and Light Television on Sunday, June the 16th at 9 p.m. Eastern. It repeats at 10 p.m. Pacific. 
For other broadcast times, visit saltandlighttv.org slash St. Anthony. And for those of you who are outside our broadcast area, you can watch all our programming streaming live at saltandlighttv.org slash live. You can also visit that site to find out how to purchase the DVD of the film when it's out. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Emma Frad with Turbulence, from her new album, How the Other Half Live. In lonely places You sit with me quietly When are you here? I know you hear me When I don't want to be heard or want to be seen
was Emma Frad with Turbulence from her new album, How the Other Half Live. Last November, we were introduced to a lively young Australian singer-songwriter by the name of Emma Frad. Emma is a convert and has been working with Net Ministries in Canada for over three years. When she was last here on this program, she had just released her first album, Search Party. And it's amazing because not six months later, she has another album, how the other half live, which we've been listening. And to talk about where her career is going and, and about this new album, I am now joined by Emma Frad. Emma, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Hey, thank you so much. So no rest for the wicked, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I could stop writing songs, I would, but I enjoy doing it. So Okay, so is that what it is? Is it that, because I speak to artists all the time, and sometimes, you know, it's a year, two years between albums. Um, I- is it that... You have all this, all these, all this material, and it's just you need, you just need to record it. Like, um, is it that easy? No, I think <laughs> it's more just like God's always doing interesting things in my life, so I can always find something to write about. I mean, I haven't had any problems yet. Maybe, maybe next time I try it, it'll. It yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe you'll be stumped next time. So, so tell us about this new album. So, why I love the title. Mm, thank um, you. Why? What? What's with the title? How the other half live? Who are the other half? Well, I guess I wrote the CD going through a, a difficult time in my life, and uh, I met these two women, um, both who had gone through really traumatic uh, experiences in their life. Uh, one of them, uh, their, their mother committed suicide, and another woman, she was almost sold into, into prostitution. And hearing their stories, I was really taken aback, but just to see the faith that they had in God, like, really touched me. And um, I guess the title, How the Other Half Live, is... Uh, I guess the best piece of advice I've been given in struggling or suffering is to really um, don't pay attention to it and just to focus on others and other people's suffering. Right. So, um, you know, there's always someone who's going through something worse than you. I remember my mum always telling me, and it never really hit me or made any sense to me, but it's true. Like, we just need to be so appreciative of life. Yeah. That is true. You know what? That's really good advice because people who are when we're depressed or suffering, we tend to look inward. But if you mm. look outwards to the other, um, that's, that's, I'm not saying that that's all you have to do <laughs> to recover, but that's certainly uh, the first step to recovery. I love the, the cover art in the album. It's very Diken- Dickensian. Yeah, it's cool, hey? <laughs> so, so tell me about that, because that impl- there's something about the art on the album, and, and we're going to have to post this on our website so people can see it, and I know they'll see it on yours, but that makes me think about the other half also in terms of the poor or the marginalized because that's such so present in, in Dickens and I can't stop thinking about <laughs> you know like uh, a Christmas carol um, <laughs> but something about the preferential option for the poor almost even the Occupy movement not that I want to go into that but do you know what I mean mm-hmm. is there is there a bit of that in this in this um, music maybe I don't know it's I guess it's up for interpretation um, I really enjoyed like just the look of like I really wanted a street setting from the 1800s just people walking around doing their thing. And then on the back is like a, a woman who's dressed like really like proper and she's just sitting in the middle of the road and she's supposed to be on like on an iPhone. Yeah. And I guess the message I'm trying to put across is just like how stupid or like how 
weird that is like that shouldn't happen because they weren't invented back then but I don't know I guess the other half of the album is sort of me uh, I guess I guess technology can get it get in the way a lot with communication and with 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 prayer and like it can just be very busy Um, so I just really wanted to portray something that was really just like weird and shouldn't really be there (laughs) no it's true and it does it does make you think Um, There's something about your lyrics, too. (laughs) Not that they're weird, but (laughs) uh, they're very um, uh, visual. Mm -hmm. How do you... You've told me, you just said it, but you've told me before that, you know, I mean, these are... God gives you these these lyrics. Uh, How how is that process for you? Um, I don't know. I, like, I journal most days. Sometimes it comes out of there through prayer. Sometimes I'm just talking with people and I'll hear something really great and I'll just like jot down a note on my iPod or something like that but I don't know someone once told me that lyrics are the most least important part of the song like first is the melody and then mm-hmm. like the riff but I always have just really enjoyed putting the most amount of effort into lyrics yeah it's it's it, it, it's like poetry when I read your mm-hmm. lyrics and I, of course I'm getting old and I can't barely even read the, the lyrics <laughs> on the inside of this album um, <laughs> but but it but it it's it's uh, it's poetry so you do you normally then write the lyrics and then the music comes out of there well it's a bit of both sometimes the lyrics come first sometimes the music does it's I don't really have a set way of doing it I just uh-huh. sort of like go for it. <laughs> Now, one of the songs that we just heard, Turbulence, mm-hmm. um, you some of the lyrics are inspired by the writings of St. Uh, Faustina. Um, is, is that also something you, you, like you said, you got your inspiration from different places? Is there something special about St. Faustina that, that, that moves you? Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's Turbulence. You might be thinking about Confirmed and Engraved. Oh, okay. But maybe not. Oh, anyway. yes. No, sorry. <laughs> yes, it is. Confirmed and Engraved. Okay. I have the CD here right in front of me. <laughs> may I want may I want holiness more than I want pleasure? That's confirmed and engraved. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is yeah. that is that Saint Faustina? Um, I don't know if that specific line is, but a lot of a lot of the verses taken from uh, her diary and the Bible, um, like uh-huh. Jesus says to Saint Faustina, uh, "Let it be confirmed and engraved on your heart that I am right. always with you, even if you don't feel I'm near at the time of battle." Uh-huh. Um, so just going with this theme of like not looking inward but just like really trusting that god is like with you in your suffering and like if we're willing to go into battle then we've like already won because god is with us right so that's something that inspired you for that and you also use scriptural references of course uh, in some songs yes turbulence i can see now that turbulence is one of the ones (laughs) that has scriptural (laughs) references not sure which reference um and uh, is it the same thing that you're in prayer and uh, or either reading scripture in prayer and something might hit you or depending on how your day is going yeah absolutely yep um you're going on tour or sorry you've started your tour right or you're going you you started so tell us a bit of where you're going and and what that tour is about yeah so last night we played in calgary Uh and we're on the road right now on our way to kamloops and uh, we have uh, four more shows in bc then we're going back to alberta uh, for three shows and then finishing up in Saskatoon on the 22nd of June. Okay, so, so for the whole, pretty much the next two weeks or so, you're going to be in BC mm. and Alberta. Um, where can people f- find those tour dates on your website? Absolutely, uh, emmafrad.com, or you can find me on Facebook, uh, Emma Frad. Um, I sh- I sh- I'll be posting like all of the events and stuff. They're, they're public, so hopefully people can just come and see where the party's at. <laughs> Good, and is it? are you playing by yourself or do you play with a band? 
Uh, I'm just playing on my own this time. A friend of mine, Sarah Buckham, another Catholic artist, is going to be touring with me. Okay, good. And uh, so now, now that it, you know you're putting out an album every six months, uh, <laughs> are, are we already working on the next one? Or um, you know what, I've I've had thoughts about it. I, I've always wanted to put out like a double album. You know how like the Foo Fighters did that, and like yeah, know, Led Zeppelin. I would just love to have enough music to put out a double CD. So I don't know if that'll happen, but. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> so, but I mean, clearly there's enough material already that you're thinking of not just a one CD, but a double. Well, th there is enough. I would say I probably have enough if I worked on it for maybe one. So I think, I've, I, think I should take some time and really uh, come up with something I'm 100% happy with. And is this something, I know you work for NET full time, right? Mm -hmm. So this music, uh, I kind of alluded to your career when I introduced you. Uh, how, is it is it shaping up as a career or is this something you're doing on the side? It's something on the side. I would love it if it could be a career, but to be honest with you, I have no idea how to even go about that. So right now, I'm just sort of doing it as a hobby, and people really seem to enjoy the music. So it's it's my honor, and yeah, it's such a blessing to be able to share it with people. Yeah, no, it's good. It's there's a little more freedom mm -hmm. when you're when you don't have to make a living out of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> it's true, and you're doing good evangelization work through NET anyway. Um, uh, if people don't, I, last time we spoke, we spoke about NET, and so, but if people don't, you know, didn't, haven't heard of NET, can you quickly tell us what NET Ministries is and what you do? Absolutely. It's the largest Catholic youth ministry in Canada, mm -hmm. and uh, our mission is to challenge young Catholics to love Christ and embrace the life of the church. So right now, I work for NET as a recruiter. So uh, right. I'm, it's, my, it's my job to recruit around 50 volunteers each year who want to give up a year of their life to do missionary work on a team of people. Okay, are you, are you recruiting right now, or have you done that? Have you uh, done for the year? We are very close to finishing. We only have uh, a couple of spots left. But I so if people are interested, can they still apply? Uh, yes, absolutely. If you just email recruit at netcanada.ca, that'll be me or my partner in crime, Sean. Okay, so recruit at netcanada.ca, yep. and they can find more information at the netcanada.ca website. Yes. To find out about net, um, you guys, I know you know, but you, you're one of your teams came to my parish. Uh, uh, I guess Josh, yeah, Josh Bruce's team, they came through our parish oh, cool. uh, a while back. So yeah, awesome. so that's great. You guys are doing good work. So and Emma, thank you so much. I love the album. Keep keep the music coming. Um, sorry, I'm not in BC or Alberta, <laughs> so I can't follow you on your tour, but uh, we'll certainly follow you on Facebook. Thank you so much for having me. Emma Frad's new album, How the Other Half Live, is now available. You can find her on Facebook, on YouTube, and also at her website, emmafrad.com. Here now is Emma with that song that we were speaking about with the lyrics uh, by St. Faustina, Confirmed and Engraved. Do not be absorbed in your misery. 
We're listening to Emma Frad with Confirmed and Engraved from her new album, How the Other Half Live. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs for free at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where you can listen to uninterrupted music all day long on Salt and Light Radio, Christian music like never before. Thanks to the wonderful support from artists like Emma Frad. So just go to our website to learn how you can listen to online or on the go on your mobile device. Actually, I want to say thank you to all of you who are listening on our web station, Salt and Light Radio. We have listeners in Europe, in Malaysia, in Latin America, all over North America. Please visit us on Facebook. Tell us where you are and uh, what you think. And remember that you can stay connected with us at saltandlighttv.org radio to be entered into our weekly draw for cool music prizes. All we need is your name and email address. And look us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash slradio1. That's the number one, slradio1. And I'm also on Facebook, Deacon Pedro, or follow me on Twitter, at Deacon Pedro GM. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. Thank you for considering us when you're making your charitable contributions. We cannot do our work without your support. Thank you for listening. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. My own Yeah.